So according to the world of time, calendars and dates and things, this is called New Year's Eve. As you recognize, it's just another moment, isn't it? (laughs) What does the world consist of? Felt impressions, meanings, habits, attitudes, sensations, wishes, sorrows. Mm. What's the world? Mm. Uh, What's the way out of that? What's the way to the end of that? It's not going to occur in the world of time. As we believe in, you know, just believe in future. What's that? Imagination, anxiety, expectation, so forth. And yet, we can use an occasion. Often we use the occasions of the moon nights, but... uh, we can use this occasion as a reference point to sort of recollection, which is a skillful cultivation. You recollect, you step out of moving forwards or, you know, doing things. Review uh, causes and conditions, the uh, circumstances, the events. What's there? What's what's your world? Mm. What can you learn from it? Mm. it? Probably doesn't take you long to recognize your world as a mesh of conditions and causes of people and events and physical conditions and memories and hopes and so forth. It's a mesh, an interwoven mesh, causes and conditions. And really, you're not separate from that. You are in. You are that mesh. You're that weave of causes and conditions. Now we can look at certainly this last year for myself. um, I'm really noticing the uh, just the web of conditions that um, we all share. Mm. particularly this year because so much of it has been about connection because connection is something we take for granted it just rolls in through the door there's people you bump into as you're moving around it's the visit from so and so it's the neighbour it's going out on a Friday night it's this, that, this, that it's just something that happens but in this uh, pandemic situation, it's not something that's just happening. These connections are much more consciously forged. And we've had this uh, amazing experience of online uh, connections. Which, yeah, I mean, it's, it's remote and yet it's also, it can be exceptionally focused. And beautiful to see that uh, 
know, I've done so many of these Zoom sessions where I'm, you know, seeing the nationalities lined up on my screen, their thumbnails, and it's look like, you know, Malaysia, South Africa, Germany, Shetland Islands, Oregon, <laughs> you know, and uh, people willing to straddle the time zones, you know, to be getting up at one in the morning in order to attend to a Dhamma session, willing to stay on until three in the morning to listen to a Dhamma talk, to be part of something, making that kind of effort to be connected to Dhamma. And, uh, you know, just so, so inspiring, so honoring to realize that you can be part of something that means that much That means that much. Yeah, sure, it's easy to push a button and switch on a screen. But, you know, you could push on a button and switch on a football match. <laughs> you could push a button and switch on one of 600 channels of television. Mm. Convenience. You push a button and commit to something that's not convenient. Actually, uh, penetrative, uh, talking about suffering and meaning and loss and, you know, discomfort and working through things, you know, a dialogue where you're encouraging, accept honest acknowledgement of the pain, you know, dysfunctionality of damaging relationships, of uh, difficult bodily conditions, of overwhelming social circumstances, yeah. and people finding their way through that, through, yeah, turning on a screen to get the message, but taking it in, into the heart, into the body, into the thinking, and meeting the difficulties and finding that, yeah, with that support, with that encouragement, you can get through it. You can experience release. And, you know, so this is not just wish fulfillment, you know. I get, I get you know, letters and cards and emails expressing the gratitude for this kind of process to occur. You're not serving up, you know, easy stuff. <laughs> it's not gratifying, it's not wish fulfillment. It's penetrative and revealing and asking people, asking quite a lot of people to be patient, resilient, work with things and meet things and, and let go of things. That's my year, <laughs> you know. That's a part of it, the connection of Dhamma. And the power of it, and the eagerness for that, and the universality of it. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, you know, the 
people who set these things up, the volunteers who set up these sessions, you know, I don't know how they do it. You know, just trying to manage getting people online and producing literature and trying to line up the time zones and really putting effort into it to make it work. Many of these completely free of any charge. Free of charge, just something we just do because because we want to live meaningfully. We want to enter a meaningful connection. We want to reach each other and help each other and be together and realise the support of that. Yeah. And last time, managers sent me um, a list of people enrolled in a Zoom retreat, and it got, you know, obviously you got countries you'd expect, but you got things like Guadeloupe. In Guadeloupe, where's Guadeloupe? <laughs> yeah, Turkey, Turkey. I know where it is, but I didn't realize there's much Buddha Dharma there, Turkey, Slovenia, yeah, obviously. Afghanistan, Afghanistan? How do you do a retreat in Afghanistan? Because <laughs> you look at, you know, you look at the other web, you know, you look at the media web and there's this kind of horrors, which I'm sure are true as well. In Afghanistan particularly, you know, deeply, uh, deeply dis- disturbing and uh, anguishing to think of the plight of human beings. And, you know, it makes you feel, if I can meet one person, just one person, to help them across out of their Suffering is worthwhile. All this is worthwhile. You can't quantify it. You just know that this is where the wishes, the resolve is, the commitment is, the energy is, the need is. If you want to be a responsible human being, you go and meet it. This isn't about, you know, producing kind of interesting lectures or ideas about this the other. It's just you get the need. If you want to be a decent human being and you've got something you can offer, you do it. Because <laughs> that's what we're in. You know, and you don't even know what it's going to work. That's secondary. And hopefully it'll work, but all you know is you have to, you have to meet it. This is really uh, itself. It's such a such a wonderful thing to be part of because it just really trims your mind from all the proliferations about you know what I should be doing, where I want to go, whether you know I've got anything worthwhile to say, whether people you know all this stuff. Come on, something interesting. You know, it just prunes the mind down to. You know, you hear the voice of suffering and you move towards it with some sense of let's get let's meet this, let's handle this. I want to be alive, I'm alive for this. It's tremendously uh, I find it very 
empowering, exhausting, of course. <laughs> Everything's contradictory. You know, the spirit rises and the, <laughs> the aggregates kind of droop. <laughs> you know, you think, oh, yeah. <laughs> just, uh, but uh, that's life. Isn't it? Yeah, get it the right way round. You know, spirit rises. You know, body, and so forth. As the you know, tires. That's life. Better than body's totally fine and comfortable, and the spirit's tired out, <laughs> dead. Because the body's going to die anyway. The spirit doesn't have to die. And that's where we meet. That's where we meet in the spirit. We really meet very clean, very straight. Not about personality trips. Not about better and worse. We meet in the spirit. And that's really, to me, that's, that's what life's about. So I notice this incredible web, and it takes work, uh, work maybe gritty thing to say, but it takes effort, it takes energy to keep coming back to that connection, that connectivity, without some sense in which you're going to, you know, arrive at the end of it or get it all tidied up. Uh, you just enter that, and you be as honest and truthful and open as possible, as you're capable of, and it tends to keep purifying the mind. There's no facile answers. There's no slogans that are going to make everything better. But there is encouragement, and people pick up that encouragement to do their work. So this must be the thing we really want to connect to. And uh, so for myself, just witnessing that that web in a very clear, full-on way, that's a privilege. I think for other people, it's perhaps more murky, not so not so so clearly configured, you know, because mixed, isn't it? You. You're just doing stuff in the day, this leads to that, sort that out, do the shopping, fix this, chop the wood, dry the car, you know, cook the onions. Uh, (laughs) And yet, of course, we do, when we step back, we do recognise, oh, this is about connection, isn't it? Where do the onions come from, the earth? What kind of car are you driving? What are the results of that? Who do you hang out with? You know, what kind of things do you buy? Why? You know? So this very you know, world that we take for granted, we do, do take it for granted, when you consider places where they don't actually have drinking water, we just turn on a tap. Mm-hmm. They don't have electricity and we just push a button. Yeah. Where there's nothing in the shops. 
Well, there are no shops. We uh, explore some of those connections, those conditions that support our lives and how we use them. Now, clearly, you know, we've been aware of the environmental situation. There's a big environmental conference this year, which, uh, yeah, you know, conference. Okay. But the fact that there is a conference at all indicates, you know, this is... This is a very strong reality of something we're connected to, a huge problem through our lifestyle. We can no longer claim that we are kind of sort of uniquely entitled to do what we like on this planet. No, we're part of it, which means we have to be responsible. We can't just have our wish fulfillment. We can't just grab and seize and own and chuck things away. There's no such places away. We're all connected, all into that. And our part in that as human beings has to be to cultivate the thing that human beings can cultivate, which they don't have to use other resources for. Virtue, integrity, you can cultivate that. It doesn't cost anything, it doesn't use up anything, it doesn't leave any negative residues, it doesn't pollute anything. Everybody has equal rights to cultivate integrity. You know, whether you're whatever you are, you're LGBTQ, trans, black, whatever, impoverished, you know, you can still cultivate integrity. And we can cultivate goodwill, loving kindness in all its different forms tolerance, openness, benevolence. Reciprocity, gratitude, uh, appreciation. That is simple loving kindness of listening to someone rather than pigeonholing them. The simple loving kindness of sharing attention. Basic things like that, which are not so flowery, and yet go deep. Loving kindness that means we start to live not just with eyes focused on our own gains, but with a sense of wide awareness how am I affecting others and how can I be supportive to others? How can I not be obstructive to others? How can I at least recognize other people have different ways of seeing things and I want to know what it is? Yeah. We can do that. And the benefits of that are colossal. It takes work. And we can develop wisdom. The wisdom of knowing what we need to do and gradually getting the skills, the know-how. And it's come through picking up causes and conditions, skillful causes and conditions. And we, we rehearse, we inherit, we talk about, we chant. You, know, you name them, you know, the indriyas, the enlightenment factors, found establishments of mindfulness, the Eightfold Path, Five precepts, eight precepts, ten precepts, hundreds of precepts, you know, all causes and conditions that we can pick up, need to pick up, not just as kind of, you know, circumstantial, but actually more significant than 
my personality. My personality is not going to get me in line, not going to get me out. It's these causes and conditions that we build up. Yeah. It means some work, some bit of sacrifice to restrain, to let go, to accept restraint, to accept you know, the push of desire and not follow it. You know, to meet the rush of ill will and not get tangled up in it. And it takes work. And yet, those causes and conditions, those enlightenment factors, those cultivations, this is the web of causes and conditions that can purify. It's called the karma that leads to the end of karma. You know, in other words, what you're doing with this is you're exhausting the old karmic habits, habits based upon wrong view, self-view, habits we pick up from our society, our upbringing, our nation, our family, and through short-term attention, self-interest. It's not blame, this is just what we're in, you know. That's what, we, that's what we get in. That's what we come in on. That's what we get immersed in. There's the old karma. All the actions that we inherit and that we pick up and results of those, the views, the attitudes, they have to be seen honestly and um, worked against. And this is our practice. It takes work. It's karma that leads to the end of karma. It's not just going to happen. And often a kind of careful massaging and an unraveling and a penetration of the compulsiveness of our responses and actions. You know? Like if you want to make one resolution and give up chocolates or something, (laughs) just make resolution... Don't be so compulsive. Witness the compulsiveness, one's jump, one's leap, one's plunging into assumptions and conclusions, one's blurting, one's knee-jerk reflexes. Just what's happening? This is blind karma. Actually, you don't really even know why it's happening, you're just doing it. That's ignorance. If you don't know what... You know, if it's a blind reflex, it's ignorance. This is the most damaging force of all because it doesn't allow you to penetrate. Uh, And of course, our worldly life is very much uh, built in to establish reflexes. You know, once something, push a button. First thing in the morning, switch on your phone. Why? Just do it, you know. Switch on, switch on, switch on. It's built, you know, we've got these incredible systems that enable us to be compulsive. <laughs> Push a button, one click. Not two clicks, one click. <laughs> two clicks is too much. <laughs> you have those um, lovely internet moments when you're just about to do something and the internet breaks for 15 seconds, you think, what was I doing that for anyway? Why bother? <laughs> you know, because it, it's got this pull, compulsive to this, to that, to this, to that. And of course, it's just one example of it. But our, our knee-jerk reflexes. 
are to be, aha, uh-huh. our blind spots, aha, uh-huh. if we do automatically our assumptions. And so this is, you know, <laughs> the web is there to illustrate this, and the web is both these these factors we might say, but also so helpful the web of community, relationship, human beings. And so I live in this situation. It's a great privilege. Living in this situation is just noticing other people's ways of doing things, responses, noticing my push, my wish, my retraction, my stop, check, community. What? Stop, check, community. What? Check, ask the abbot. Check, and it's that constant check, check, stop, pause, and then... And then, the, you know, just, <laughs> that's been going on for years. And, uh, you know, and I really respect that. I really respect it. And I'm trying to get my blind spots seen. Um, so when we, if we review our time, and you have, the Buddha said, if you have just even one spiritual companion who, who is truthful, reliable, doesn't let you down, doesn't discard you, doesn't dump you, doesn't blame you, but just gives you mirrors and you trust them, then you've got, you've got a friend. And this is not a just a fair-weather friend. This is a spiritual friend. Yeah. And so, and then, you know, well, where do I get that? Well, stop being one (laughs) to others. Uh, It comes around. Gradually we grow up. We gradually grow up to be deep friends to each other. Not just fair weather, fun and games friends, but uh, reliable. Those all help mirror, show us, model. Yeah, great space. So it's uh, certainly been in this monastery a very important concern that we rehearse and consider most every week. How can we let? How can we get more people in where we're not endangering their health? Yeah, how much risk do we want to take? We're not being careless and negligent, how can we get people in? How can we, we can't get people in, then we'll try and broadcast out, you know? (laughs) Because of that respect and that deep concern to sustain the web of interconnection. And it's particularly at this this time, because you see so often, you know, we get the sense of, uh, certainly from the early scriptures, you know, you get different messages. Seek solitude, disengage, you know, you know, off on your own, don't socialize. And then you turn the page and it says, and then the Lord was on tour with 500 monks. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> you know. oh, oh, really? And then you know, Elder Sariputta sitting in, in, in the midday, and then the evening goes over and he has a chat with some other arahant, you know. So yeah, it's both, 
you know, disengage from the compulsive. And you can really recognize, particularly in the you know, village, rural village Indian society, the, the web is so dense to your family, to your village, to your clan, to your caste, every, you're stitched in completely. So yeah, this isn't, this isn't the web that releases, this is a web that binds. Uh, and it gets tighter. There's no freedom, there's no space. Then you've got a web that unbinds. And you can liken this to like something like a net in which you have the, the strands of the net, but the net has mesh in it, so you've got these spaces between the weave. Yeah. And so when we cultivate Dhamma, the weave is these enlightenment factors. When we cultivate community, the weave is the people and the routines and the structures. That's, that's the weave, and then you've got the space. And the idea is that the weave supports the space yeah, and leads us into the space, and yet the weave also holds the space from being corrupted, polluted, or just distracted, you know, spacing out to nowhere. Yeah, so they work together. You know, we just have space. Often we lose the plot. We lose that attention to specific detail, to convention, to karma that leads to the end of karma, you know, to you know, specific here and now actions. We're going to something timeless, but it's also not openaiko, leading onwards. So you trust, you trust the weave, the web, it will take you to a true space, a true release, not a wrong release. And you can feel the results. The more you cultivate it, you get less tight, less knee-jerk, less reactive, more and more flexible, more and more open, more and more available, more and more okay with getting it wrong and okay. Good, learning point, learning point. Uh-huh. You know, less, oh no, something wrong with me. Okay, learning point. Able to meet some sadnesses of our life. Loss of friendship, loss of friends, so forth. Okay. Take that in. Yeah, be with that. Let that one move through. And so it's open, flexible condition. And you see, if that's happening for you, you know you're on the right track. Doesn't mean there's no storms blowing through. It doesn't mean things are working absolutely comfortably, but it means we can stay together in that, you know, stay integrated, uh, stay virtuous, stay spacious, stay wise. And those threads trail and lead into discharging suffering, ending of suffering. That's how it works. You catch the suffering in the net of skillful conditions and they drain it. Of course, maintaining skillful conditions internally, externally, is, you know, requires skill and work. Mm. 
it's also good then to really celebrate the fact that there is this Dhamma, Dhamma and training. Yeah. And there's a possibility. And so we're in a society that is so uh, unlike, you know, a deeply bonded agrarian village where family is tightly knitted and where everybody is estranged, uh, dislocated, uh, don't know the people in the next street, not working in harmony. Everybody's, you know, it's so important to feel, to recognize connectivity as a skillful quality, not as a quality that leads to bondage, but a quality that connection to spiritual friendship and dhamma leads out of suffering. And then you can feel the difference. So as also we see the celebration, and it's amazing how, uh, you know, situation such as we have in this monastery is it's probably one of the most stable places in the world you know and what is it based on we don't produce anything we don't sell anything we don't earn anything we don't have any investments <laughs> we're all volunteers there's no professionals <laughs> So, what does it have? Integrity, wisdom, goodwill, and commitment. Commitment beyond the person's wishes, beyond the person's comfort, beyond the person's comfort zones. That's, you know, that's what it takes. That's what it takes. Uh, That has got the power to draw in goodness. It doesn't make sense on a material level at all. In terms of the world of secular materialism, it does not make sense. This monastery has increasingly grown and strengthened through financial crisis, devaluations, uh, you know, slumping of the of the economy, COVID. <laughs> it's continually strengthened through that, you know, it doesn't make sense in terms of worldly conditions. So you've got to really, really begin to question how true is what we call the world. Yeah. How true is it? And you, even you look at it, kind of in a global sense, so many different contrasting ideologies, different opinions and views, things that are clearly not meeting people's needs. There's so much falsehood, there's so much confusion, there's so much reactivity. It's really, it's not a working model. 
Yeah, it's it's uh, this, uh, it works on pressure and power and push and distort, and we go the other way. We go the other way as much as possible. Give up. Give up power as much as possible. Work in harmony as much as possible. And so it is it itself is a teaching, it's a presentation. And uh you know, it's something to to really get the respect for. And it's so easy for us who live here, we just get so close up to the, if you like, to the page of the monastery that we lose the perspective. You know, getting involved with, you know, with carrots and what kind of washing powders, you know, <laughs> that sort of stuff. Yeah, and worrying, uh, and having arguments over something or the other, points of this, that, and the other. And it's time when we get this New Year's occasion just to step back and see the page in perspective. You know, human life is difficult. Human life is is not that good. you know, really to acknowledge human life is really not that good on condition level. Uh, you know, it's not something that's particularly going wrong. It's always been like this. There's always been brutality and frailty and, you know, and tragedies and horrors. And it's always been like that. And there's always the spirit coming through. The spirit's not about the conditioned realities, but about rising up through them. In our lives here, it's sometimes it's not that comfortable. Sometimes it's tiring, painful, emotionally challenging, difficult. You have to kind of bear with yeah, and find ways and harmonize. People you don't always see eye to eye with. And there's work there to just be able to place, you know, conflict is quite normal. Disagreement is quite normal. Different points of view are utterly normal. And you just place them down and say, okay, this is what I see. This is what you see. How do we work together? How do we come through this? How does the spirit move through this rather than who's better, who's got it right? Where's the right way? Where's the Dhamma in this? Yeah, and if this means it's my turn to say sorry, then I'll say it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no no failure in that. Uh, coming out of the self view. And every time there's that possibility come out of self-view, we should, we should really recognize it and respect it because it's one of the most powerful fetters. Just believing in your, the isolated self, the 
sense of being enmeshed in personal history and you're being led by that. And not opening up to the wider field of conditions, causes, people around you. Buried in your own plot, writing your own story, following the sounds in your head. And then, so when we live in community, as really everybody does, somewhere or another we're part of the human community, part of the biosphere, then we have to quieten down some of those voices, open up, widen some of those concerns, you know, and feel there's a, there's a blessing there. When we come out of that narrow grip of the web that tightens into the great web, the weave that releases. This is definitely, you know, doable. So, you know, I've been here for over 40 years on and off from kind of derelict, half-ruined house with the grounds choked with ruined cars, derelict vehicles, uh, chest-eyed nettles, brambles, tangles, mud, no electricity, <laughs> holes in the roof, floors falling away through dry rot, only one fire in the whole house, <laughs> one shower that we used to alternate between a men, men's night and women's night, make sure you turn up the right night. Nobody ever failed <laughs> to get the right night. You know, that's one shower. And that was kind of rigged up. You know, and it's not just integrity. Integrity. You know, not worrying, not complaining, not feeling pity for oneself. Sharing. Integrity. You know, we used to open up the open up the tea cup and it's like okay, it's one box of tea bags. <laughs> That's what we got, you know. Go to the larder. What have we got? Rice and beans. Okay, that's what we're eating, rice and beans. And nobody complain. Uh, and that's, that's uh, in a way, it's, it's kind of, <laughs> and you practice. You practice. That is practice. It's a choiceless practice. It's actually meeting conditions that arise. And you've got the chance to feel fed up, disappointed, annoyed, irritated, compare yourself, they got it better than I got it. You can do that and go nice and tight and grumpy and miserable. Or you can just, this is what's happening, share it out, open up to that, relax, and let the spirit come through. It can, it will. You can move through everything. That's its nature. That's its nature. If it was not this way, there would be no freedom from suffering. If we were, if we only had the conditioned, the mortal, the desire bound, there would be no way out. But we don't only have that. We also have the potentials, the chitta, you know, that can be come forth, move through, 
open, release. And put everything onto that. Everything is committing to that. And supportive conditions and causes that will encourage that. And we see that happening. Men, women, all over the world. Different countries, different places, different centuries, different ages. That's what they do. That's what they did. That's what they will do in the future. And they will realize release. So if we make our uh, new year... (laughs) Perhaps it's not a new year, but a reaffirming. Step off the calendar, step out of the movement of time, step out of the business, step out of the domestic situation, don't ignore it, just step back from it into the realm of the heart and the direct experience. What, where's the struggle? You know? Where's the aversion? Where's the grit? Where's the regret? Where's the anxiety? Where's the craving? And what are the causes and conditions that you can turn to to release those? And there are. This is what the Buddha taught in this very world as it is, through seeing conditions as they are. And this is where Buddhas have arisen. So let's continue our practice today and uh, for as long as life lasts, making the resolution, the commitments uh, to follow through to the end of suffering. Anyone?